that floating, nurturing, womb-like experience, I think that it really resonates with some people. And we're all seeking ways to calm and to nurture ourselves. And I love that there are some kind of do-it-yourself practices, but absolutely receiving from someone else who has embodied that energy is amazing. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm... I know that you said you used to live in Seattle and we talked a little bit about some of the postpartum and Ayurvedic practices that you also offered to your own daughter. So I would love to hear a little bit about how you, how you started off with Abhyanga in your own family. Oh yeah. Oh, thank you. Because that gives me such good memories. Um, so my daughter is 28. So this 28 years, 28 years ago, I was at that time running in a Panchakar, an Ayurvedic clinic where we offered oh, about 10 different Ayurvedic treatments. And, um, when my daughter, so I call her my Ayurveda baby because I incorporated a lot of the, um, just prenatal, you know, tools. And also when, um, she was born, we had an Ayurveda doula come to our home and, and she was there for about three weeks. Um, so, uh, we, the mother receives Abhyanga and so does the baby. And then the doula, uh, trains the, the mother, how to do a special Ayurvedic massage. So what happens is when we have a baby, the vata air and space greatly increases so you want to balance that right away and in terms of ayurveda giving birth is a huge transformation in the physiology that how you treat it afterwards will like stay with you pretty much the rest of your life because it changes the body so much so how you treat it afterwards has a great can have a great beneficial influence Um, So when you think about it, um, so vata is responsible for movement, any type of movement. So the baby pushing the baby out is a great exertion, a great movement. And also after the baby is born, then there's that empty cavity in the, um, the uterus. So we want to pacify vata. So having that oil massage every day for a month, highly important. Um, and also special foods, warm foods, like a, a mushy soups, like with rice and mung bean. And um, I remember we had sweet potato pie and just warm things with ghee and uh, special teas to increase uh, the breast milk. It was fenugreek and um, I think licorice root and cardamom, different um, herbs to help increase the milk. And then as far as the baby goes, then when the mother's vata is more in balance and there's more stability there, then of course, everything the mother is feeling and the nutrition she is receiving, she's uh, passing that to the child. So it influences the well-being of the baby as well. And yeah, it was just a really great program. Mm-hmm. It sounds amazing. I think highly sensitive. So could you share a little bit about um, what that means to you and how you support your clients who are highly sensitive? Sure. Um, so a lot of times people who are highly sensitive sensitive are overstimulated by the environment. 
and that produces a lot of overwhelm. And what and our whole culture is overstimulated in in general with all the you know, fast pace of life and all the computer and cell phone use and all the, you know, people are doing three different things at one, one time. So Ayurveda doesn't encourage that. <laughs> In fact, what they try to do is, is reduce the level of, of overactivity that's happening, the overstimuli. And that, there's a number of tools that Ayurveda um, recommends, like one example is something called it's an of oiling the limbs it's called abhyanga which is an ayurvedic massage that is a practice that you do yourself every morning or once a week or whenever you can get into your schedule and that one tool that practice is is amazing it sounds weird like when you tell someone you should massage yourself with oil every morning um, it just means you're oiling the limbs and, and the lower back and you're doing the face and you're doing a little bit head massage and then you shower it off. And the, the, the way it works is I mentioned something called Vata. So Vata is air and space. And when you think about air and space, it's light, it's cold, it's airy, it's always moving. And that can increase in the body and create kind of like this overwhelmed feeling, anxiety. And so what in Ayurveda, the principle is to, in order to get balanced, you do the opposite. So if something is like unstable, moving, light, dry, cold, then you would do something that is the opposite, which is warm, slow, and nurturing. So doing that abhyanga, oil, oiling of the limbs, um, it helps to balance that vata out and reduce overstimuli and it reduces anxiety. So you feel super grounded um, during the day. And I've been recommending this ancient, ancient practice, which is over 5,000 years old um, for over, you know, since the 1980s. And I used to work for a medical doctor who was trained in Ayurveda back then in Seattle, Washington, and people were brand new to Ayurveda, never heard of it. And they're like, what, you want me to, to like massage myself with oil? And I said, just do that one thing out of this whole list of recommendations and come back in two weeks and you tell me your experience. And even though there was resistance, people would do it and they would always come back saying, I feel so much better during the day. And especially for highly sensitive people, because we're kind of like electrocuted all the time <laughs> by overstimuli and in the environment, that it reduces that kind of frazzled feeling and, and it lasts throughout the day. So I made sure I did mine this morning. Um, and because I, I know if I want to have an extra smooth day, then I'm, I'm sure to have that. Um, that practice in, and it really, really makes a big difference. So if, if anyone's interested in learning how to do that um, or wants the instructions, they can just contact me. There's a whole a procedure how to do it. Mm -hmm. You could do a short abhyanga or a longer one. Like on the weekends, some people do like a longer abhyanga. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, it's so interesting that you mentioned in the early eighties, you know, that you were starting to recommend that because when I was about five years old, I ended up going to this hippie party with my parents <laughs> and there was a woman there offering 
hand massages. And I mean, I was five years old and I was the first to, you know, give her my palm and to experience this visualization experience. And um, I still remember actually the visions that she talked about, about walking through a warm, sunny field. And that to me was the beginning of my journey of becoming a massage therapist. I later asked for a full body massage when I was seven years old. Most mm -hmm. children, you know, are, are not that comfortable. They're quite ticklish about getting right. a massage, but it was something that I was seeking out. And as a highly sensitive person, I have found these grounding practices so helpful. And um, it makes perfect sense, even though when I was five or seven years old, I didn't know what Vata was, but my body was seeking it. Yeah, it, yeah, you're highly sensitive to people really respond to the sense of touch, which is connected to air and space. Um, so for anyone who's listening, um, if you have an Ayurveda clinic nearby, what, what's a real treat is receiving a one hour hot oil abhyanga massage or cool, if it's hot out, a cooler one, they use different herbalized oils. So it's, it's nice to give yourself one, but for a treat, like just, it's a very flowing, it's not deep tissue, it's just very flowing and it's warm and it's oily and you'll feel fantastic. So have you Absolutely. ever received an Abhyanga? Yes, yes. Okay. And I mean, I we're actually in my massage studio right now and I have an oil warmer where I, you know, incorporate that into my practice. Um, this calming practice that nurtures mom and baby is so critical that nurturing time when the mother or, or their partner is massaging the baby, that's bonding time, which as we know is essential for the health of the infant. And it's about connection. So if uh, sometimes a new mother is, may feel a little bit awkward that that time where they're just, you know, putting a little bit of almond oil on their hands and, you know, doing these baby massage is this special bonding time which is essential as we know for mental health and physical health. Okay, thank you for having me on your show. And um, so my name is Rose Carroll. I'm a highly sensitive person who is an Ayurveda health practitioner. I've been practicing Ayurvedic medicine since the 1980s. I'm also a licensed psychotherapist and I offer integrative um, mental health care. And um, so Ayurvedic medicine is, it's a, a system of medicine that's over 5,000 years old. It's a holistic system. And I think it's a fantastic um, offering for people who are highly sensitive because it's very nourishing and it, it settles the nervous system. So today I want to talk about some of the tools and a little bit about what it is. Midwives, doulas seeking out and sharing this knowledge about herbs. So I'm happy to know that, that you had that experience with your daughter and that you're, you know, continuing to teach the Ayurvedic traditions. Can you give some specific examples of what that is? Some people are not familiar at all with Ayurveda. Sure. So Ayurveda is a Sanskrit word. So Ayur or Ayus means um, longevity and Veda means knowledge. So it's a Sanskrit words. It's the knowledge of lifespan or knowledge of life. And so it's very holistic and it includes your 
your mental health, emotional health, physical health, spiritual health, your financial health, your, the community, it's very, everything is deeply connected. It, it includes our connection with the cosmos. It, it includes astrology. It's very inclusive. And so uh, what an Ayurveda health practitioner does is determine um, what your nature is, what you're born with, with the, the five elements, earth, air, fire, water, and space. And so some people are born with more elements than others. Like some people are more fiery. Some people are more earthy as we, we know different types of personalities. And um, we also have imbalances. So sometimes fire is too much and that can create inflammation in the emotions, like inflammatory responses, acidic responses, and also acidity in the body. So what a practitioner does is understand according to those five elements, where you are right now and get you back to your, your real nature, which is more in balance. So if somebody has a lot of too much heat, then I would offer something that would be cooling to balance that off. So um, in terms of the language of Ayurveda, there's seven different body types. So there's Pitta, which is the fire and water element. There's something called Vata, V-A-T-A, which is air and space. And then there's Kapha, which is earth and water. So there's seven body types based on a different combinations of those, those three with called doshas. Yeah. Mm, thank you for that explanation. Modern medicine is great. We have a lot of technologies that can support people. Um, but there's also things that we've lost along the way. And I think that reintroducing some of these practices, they can be so simple and they make such sense. Of course, a mother needs to have nourishing food. And, you know, there, one thing that Ayurveda does recommend is the first 90 days that the mother is just spending time at home with the infant and there's not a lot of stimuli like you're not taking uh, the infant out and about or going to Walmart and like all the fluorescent lights you know with which can overstimulate the baby's brain so it's considered that first three months after birth is considered kind of a gestational time even though they're outside you know they're born it's, it's really an extension. So that, that time with mother and that bonding time where there's not too much stimuli is really, really important. You know, there's just different things that are kind of obvious that maybe are also in other cultures, you know, like with, with bre breast milk is the very best if you can breastfeed. Again, that is the connection time. That's, there's a term in Ayurveda called ojas, O-J-A-S. OJAS or OJOS. Basically, OJAS is immunity and it's bliss. And it's about connection. So it's the connection with other people. It's about connection with yourself. It's about connection with the environment. So when you think of the word OJAS, it's about connection. So very early on in life, the best way to produce, and we're all born with OJAS but um, it can become depleted or it could become more maximized. So that time where the mother and the infant are, you know, when they're breastfeeding, that is very good for the child's ogis and feeling of connection. 
Um, so that that's really important. And then as they start to get a tooth, then they're gonna naturally wanna try to start with solid food. So um, a first baby's food could be something called kitchery, or it could just be like um, rice porridge, something mm -hmm. like that. Kitchery is like split mung beans mixed with rice and cooked into a very soupy por porridge with nothing in it. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and, um, so that that was uh, my infant's first food and it was just kind of became sort of a natural gradual thing so things the first year things are that are extremely easy to digest like th that type of porridge is is recommended and then for so sure I mean I think one of the trickiest challenges to overcome is colic and yeah. you know when you know that your baby's having trouble digesting you know, there are a lot of adults that are having trouble with digestion. And one of the things that I hear all the time from clients is they apologize and they say, I don't know why my stomach is making that noise. And I have to reassure them that when they're re receiving massage, that is actually a good sign. It means their bodies shifted into rest and digest mode, but we're so disconnected from our bodies. We don't even know that that's a good thing. Right. And we're in the go, 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 like you said, and that's creating a lot of hormones and fight or flight stimulation. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's true. That's true. So like, just, it reminds me of like drinking fennel tea, like if you're breastfeeding, then, then, that helps with colic for the baby, mm -hmm. a little bit tummy massage um, with a little bit almond oil or something like that. But Abhyanga continues is really help, great for the child to receive the, the Abhyanga massage as they age. Um, it gets a little tricky when they're just starting to crawl. I know they can crawl away when they're all oily and but people need to take precautions because they're oily and then you bathe them off. So they get more slippery. So you just have to be really careful with that. Um, but yeah, Abhyanga is continued and there, there's things like to strengthen the teeth as they get all their teeth, like chewing on raw coconut strengthens the, you know, the teeth and it's good for the gums. Um, and, um, you know, just gentleness with the child, you know, um, understanding, understanding their level of development, understanding when, when they understand no and, um, kindly re redirecting their behavior, things like that is super helpful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The secure attachment, the gentle beginnings, it sets all adults up for, you know, a happy, successful vitality. Yeah. Uh, and mm -hmm. it's yeah. a lifelong investment, really. Yeah. I mean, as far, you know, being a psychotherapist, like it just, you know, when people don't have that, it, it just can create a myriad of, of problems. And so, as an adult receiving Ayurveda is so very nourishing in that way because it, it kind of reestablishes the neural pathways of um, being nourished. Like some of the treatments uh, are, it, it almost feels like a rebirth in a sense. Um, it, I'm recalling, I went to Nepal for a, there's a Panchakarma clinic that I went there uh, to about 10 years ago and 
I had this treatment. It's a funny name for an Ayurvedic treatment. It's called Pizzi Chili. It sounds like pizza chili, but it's Pizzi Chili. And it's just basically, um, I, you could say like um, streams of oil that go like head to toe. And it's done by uh, like five people. And there's like a, a hose with like a warm oil being poured over you continuously for like an hour. And it's very much like you feel like you're coming out of the womb kind of coated <laughs> with, oil, with oil and it's very nurturing. Um, and it's, yes, so like I say, some of the treatments, if you haven't had that experience, then, you know, with growing up in a nurtured environment, then it can kind of repair some of those um, mistakes that were made. Mm -hmm. The sensory delight yeah the sensory delight that's calming right yeah sounds lovely <laughs> yeah. yeah it was a great experience especially if you can do the treatments in residence for three or four weeks then it's very transformational mm -hmm. yeah. yeah there's this aspect of retreat and immersive experiences it takes you to such a deeper level that maybe you get insight or you're able to integrate something about your experience and process things that you can't get in a one hour, you know, session. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it goes in layers. Like you think like two weeks is a long time, but it actually takes two weeks to sort of like break through to a, a deeper level of inner awareness and let go of the outside work. Cause I mean, it, there's so much stimuli and there's so many distractions. So when you take all those away and you're just receiving these balancing treatments day after day, like you can finally let go. At least my experience was like after the second week, I was like, wow, it's taking me two weeks to, I didn't even know until that two week mark where I was, I, I didn't realize I was still holding on mm -hmm. and I was able to fully relax. And then the last 10 days were, were like a deep transcendence. And um, so it's, it's kind of hard in the United States to find a place you can do three to four weeks of um, these Ayurvedic retreats, but India and Nepal, when they start to open up, you know, it's, if you do that once in a lifetime, it's worth it. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Like a sacred healthcare experience. This is what life is supposed to feel like. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Uh -huh. And recognizing like, this is how good I can feel. And I think if we were better at like the, the maintenance of it, you know, we wouldn't get to the point where we were so depleted. But as you said, it's just modern life is so challenging. Yeah, we get, um, it, it just becomes the norm. So we don't know that anything is not in balance because we're so used to just sort of like, being compressed in a certain a, to a certain level and then as those layers come off and, and that relaxation and safety comes in it's like yeah it's like wow this is it's true this is the way life is should be but we're in i don't know if you've heard of that term kala yuga there's different so in ayurveda or vedic science there's something called yugas y-u-g-a and a yuga just means a time frame so we have different times in society and in the world where um, 
you could say the laws of nature that guide the universe are people are acting in accord with nature. And then there's time periods of time where people are violating the laws of nature. And then there's a lot of calamity and war and suffering and disease. And so we're, we're in a time period, I think it lasts like a hundred thousand years or, or more or less um, it's called Kali Yuga. And so that means like there's a lot of people breaking the laws of nature, violating the laws of nature, which result in disease and wars and famines and catastrophes and things like that. So, um, you know, it's part of part of our human experiences because we live in that time. And Ayurveda is about living life more in accord with nature, so you suffer less. So that means like, you know, connecting with the cosmos, connecting with the sun and the planets and understanding the deep connection we have with, with the earth and with other people and uh, focusing on inner harmony and outer harmony. And so all these practices help us to attune with those laws of nature. And it means breaking laws of nature either knowingly or unknowingly. So it's just as simple as like, you know, not having pizza at 10 p.m. and wrecking your digestion and feeling kind of like a brain fog the next morning. You could say that's violating the law of your digestion. Mm -hmm. But maybe having a nice light, you know, vegetable barley soup at 7 p.m. and then you digest it and you wake up feeling early in the morning, feeling really fresh the next day. So that's like living in harmony with the laws of nature. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you're describing there's the macrocosm of what's happening outside in society and it may last, you know, for thousands of years but it makes it even more important, the microcosm, like your personal practice, because that's the one thing you do have control over is right. what you do with yourself, for yourself on a daily basis. Right, right, exactly. You said that really well. And especially for a highly sensitive pers uh, person, these practices, our personal practice uh, on how to self-care and be able to be in an unsensitive world is a lifesaver. At least it is for me, yeah. One of the tools of Ayurveda that got me through my adolescent period. So um, when I was 12 and 13, I was like most uh, adolescents, a stress ball and very anxious and um, very shy. And my one of my aunts, my great aunt said, you should meditate, that'll help you. And I was also a Beatles fan. And she goes, John Lennon and George Harrison, they all practice transcendental meditation. You know, why, why don't you learn? And at first I this like kind of rolled my eyes like any teenager, but I, I learned and I wrote in my diary, I don't think it's gonna work, but I'm, I'm gonna just try it. I was kind of desperate. And I learned how to do TM, transcendental meditation, 1976. And I meditated for a couple months and I was like, I felt better, but I wasn't exactly sure. So I looked back in my journal and before I did TM, my handwriting was all messy and I was writing about negative things. And then a couple of months later, my handwriting had become neater and I was writing about more positive things and I was making better friends and 
Um, so I continued that practice and studied consciousness, development of consciousness and um, ended up becoming a TM teacher. Um, and so, so that practice of meditation is something that I would highly recommend um, no matter what age you are, but especially as a teenager that it can be very life-changing and it's an evidence-based program. I think there's over 350 peer-reviewed studies on that um, type of meditation. It's really easy to do. You don't have to um, concentrate or focus or anything like that. So, um, so that's one tool. So a meditation practice that you feel comfortable with um, could be mindfulness. It could be uh, Vipassana, whatever it is. I, you know, I'm imagining you're, all the people on this call have, if they're highly sensitive, they probably have some type of meditation practice. Um, I, I personally love transcendental meditation because it just is, it doesn't um, take much effort to do. It's just, you kind of just slip into the transcendence and experience deep silence on a regular basis. So I still do it. Um, so that's, that's one practice. Uh, the Abhyanga is really good. Um, the other thing in Ayurveda is, especially if you have a lot of heat in the body or air and space, vata is to have, it sounds really simple, but like eat on time, don't skip meals and have something warm, warm and fresh. So how, how you nourish yourself is super important. So that that's like, warm, warm foods, fresh foods and eating on time. So sometimes you'll meet somebody who is stressed out and they often skip a meal, skip lunch or delay it for a couple hours. And then instead they're drinking coffee. And so they're like kind of frazzled. So it sounds obvious, but it, it's not to a lot of people. So if, if somebody is seeing me and they're stressed out, I find out, well, do you delay meals or skip meals and most often they are doing that so in order to stay in balance that's that is a simple practice that anyone could just look and see how how they are timing things so time is essential in ayurveda because different laws of nature guide different times of the day so there's vata is between um uh 2 a.m. And, and 6 a.m. and then 2 p.m. and 6 p.m. and then pitta, which is fire, is from um, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. and 10 p.m. Um, to 2, 2 a.m. and then we have kapha, which starts at 6 a.m. and goes to, to 10 a.m. and then also in the evening. So why does that matter? Because for example, Pitta, so it, it, it gets lively, that fire element gets lively in the, the environment at around 10 p.m. So if anyone who's listening, if you wonder, like at about 10 p.m., you stay up late because you get this rush of energy and then you can stay up late and work and do things. So you should go to bed. If you, if you have trouble sleeping, go to bed before 10 p.m. when kapha, earth and water, where things are slower and heavier, it's easier to fall asleep. And same thing with waking up in the morning, you wanna wake up um, during air and space time, vata. 
So that's before 6 a.m. Because if you wake up during kapha time after 6 a.m., then there's more heaviness and cloudiness. So the, they're like just, it's like tweaking your schedule just a little bit, adjusting the schedule for food and waking up and going to sleep. These are all sort of essentials because we're basically following the sun. As the sun comes up, as the sun comes down, goes down, there's different laws of nature that are happening. And that those are with the five, have to do with the five elements, earth, air, fire, water, space. That makes perfect sense. I mean, especially I know myself skipping meals. I just feel agitated. And I think people have coined the phrase hangry, <laughs> like where uh, you're so hungry that you're kind of angry. Absolutely. And it's so interesting that word hangry, because I've been known about that with Ayurveda for all these years. And then the, the last 10 years, the hangry word is like, yeah, they get it. Like your, your pitta, your fire gets too much. If you, if you skip it, it needs it needs, uh, it starts to burn the body, the, the inner heat, that pitta starts to burn the body and you get irritable and short-tempered. So you want, you want to put some food into, because there's a fire there naturally in, in the body, that pitta. So when you put food on, it cooks that food. But if you don't have any fuel to put on that, that heat, it, it's just, it's heating the body. And then you're like, you know, crazy. Right. The same thing with a uh, lack of sleep or not having restful sleep. I think that people recognize that they're more irritable, short-tempered. They may be quick to respond in a way that they wouldn't normally if they did, right. if they were coming from a place of rest. I love what you shared about early, early life. Are there practices that you have found that are very supportive along the way as people age and mature? Absolutely. Sleep is one of the uh, pillars of health in Ayurvedic medicine, as well as digestion, what we just covered. But so, yeah, going to bed, on, it takes some discipline if you're a night owl to kind of get in the routine of like getting into bed before 10. There's a, a nighttime ritual you can do to help you settle down if you have sleep issues. So as a practitioner, that's one of the first things we talk about. I want to know, like, how are they, how are they sleeping and how are they digesting? Because it's not so much, not just what you eat, but how you digest. So how you, you digest is more important. You could have a perfectly healthy meal, but if you don't digest it, then we have to address the, the digestive issues. And same thing with the sleep. That's like, how do you, how is your sleep? And the other question is, how do you feel when you first wake up in the morning? Um, because that tells me everything about somebody's health, how they slept, how they digested, and whether they have digestive um, in, like toxins called ama in the body. Um, so if they, have, if they wake up and they have sore joints, it means that they didn't digest very well. They wake up with a foggy feeling that tells me about digestion. Um, and so that's how I understand how to work with somebody is just knowing how they feel when they wake up. Cause it's a sign of health. If you wake up, you know, naturally without, without an alarm clock, like early in the morning and you feel enthusiastic and mental clarity, that's a, a sign of good health. That's a sign that the elements are in balance and your digestion and your sleep is good. Mm -hmm. So that's how, how, what I'm, I'm measuring it with. It's very rare. You can, I meet somebody who, who has that, but over time that 
um, as you get more in balance, you have that more and more. Mm -hmm. So that they wake up feeling ready and renewed for the day and they're not dragging, their energy is not dragging. Right. You know, distractions. I'm curious about your insights specifically about the mental health component and the energy. So you can ask yourself how do, if I'm not feeling, you know, this clarity and this sense of natural energy, not hyper energy, but natural energy, enthusiasm, then you want to investigate, well, what did I have for dinner last night? Because how you feel in the morning, then you analyze what happened the night before. Like, well, obviously I didn't sleep enough. I went to bed too late. Um, I ate too late. Therefore I didn't digest it. Uh, And then, um, you know, was it a heavy meal? Was it a lighter meal? And so, so you can analyze, um, you know, how the, what happened that night before, um, and then try to tweak your, your habits. It's all like different habits, which is hard because we're bombarded by a lot of, so when you wake up in the morning, you can say, well, how am I feeling? Am I rested? Am I enthusiastic or am I depressed or am I anxious? Do I feel like I got to get a cup of coffee or I can't function output and what people are exposed to. Right. So in terms of, of Ayurvedic medicine, so um, again, everything is about these five elements, which, you know, is the basic building blocks of creation. Uh, We're all made of a different amount of earth, air, fire, water. So that, that can land in the body and how the mind functions. So somebody with a tendency who has more anxiety um, issues that can have to do with air and space. So also trauma can increase vata. So vata is is a a flowing movement in the body. And so sometimes if it's disturbed, instead of moving down and out, it moves up into the head. And so there's overthinking, um, you know, uh, difficulty sleeping, insomnia issues. Um, sometimes when there's physical trauma, like a car accident that, that can increase Vata, I can feel that in the pulse. Um, it's called pul- Nadi Vigan is like a pulse diagnosis. Um, so when there's like a, an intense impact, then that can create increased Vata, or if there's any emotional trauma that increases Vata, um, as far as depression goes, that would be Kapha. So that could be uh, a lot excess earth and water, weight gain, um, kind of lethargy, depression, unmotivated that has to do with excess of those uh, elements. And then anger and irritability is, is pitta, which is fire. So it, it could be simple things that could adjust like somebody who is has a lot of irritability, then I want to, and, and, you know, snappy and reactive, kind of acidic, then like, you know, are they having lots of hot food, like a lot of chilies, peppers and heating food. So you want to cool them down. So again, in Ayurveda, what we do is the opposite to balance. So I, I want to know what, what physically what's happening um, as far as their diet and lifestyle. And then based on that, I would give recommendations. So um, you know, everyone is so unique and their experiences are so unique. So it, you know, everyone has to be handled. It's very subtle the way the, the recommendations are, are offered. 
but um, so but the basic principle is you balance by doing the opposite. So somebody with a lot of pitta, they need cooling. And then there's Ayurvedic treatments called uh, Sharadara, Takradara, which is basically herbalized oil or herbalized milk. And it, you're lying on a massage table and then there's a bowl with a hole in it and it's flowing over the third eye in the head. And that takes care of a lot of the pitta heat aspect um or somebody who has a lot of kapha earth and water if they're depressed they need the heating element because kapha and earth and water are considered cold and heavy so they need lightness and heat so they would receive heat treatments or recommendations for um, balancing that movement they need more movement so it's and and then depression will increase when you sleep in the morning so you have to be sure that they can get up early and, and move the body to balance that earth and water element. So you can, and everyone has a different mix. So you can see how the recommendations would have to be tweaked for each person individually. But as I said, these are more like general ways to ad address um, some of these me mental health conditions, you know. Like anxiety is air and space, so they the abhyanga oil is calming. They may re be recommended to take an herb called brahmi, and that helps to calm the mind and make the mind alert. So, yeah. <laughs> wow, it's there's so much to learn. I'm there's no end to it. I mean, I'm still learning after all these years, and I know my teacher, Dr. Mishra Vaidya Mishra he was always like in the textbooks, which are all written in Sanskrit and like looking things up. And, um, you know, there's just no end to, to learning Ayurveda. The, the different elements guide each age. So childhood is considered kapha and um, that's water and earth. And then the adult time is like between, childhood is considered to, up to age 25, like, and then 25 to 60 is more pitta, the fire where you're very dynamic in your life. And that's when you're achieving things and you're very busy and active. And then the retired is considered like 60 years, 60 and after. I mean, it traditionally now it's, you know, we go up into people are working up well into their seventies and eighties, but, um, Usually in the retirement age, vata is dominating. That's when you think of vata, air and space, it, it's drying. It's like, you know, a plum turning into a prune. We're, we're drying out. So the anti-aging, again, is keeping things moist. So uh, again, the oiling, but then, you know, like oiling the nose, oiling the ears, oiling the navel, oiling the scalp. So it's like preserving the skin. And the skin is, the, as you know, the largest organ in the body and it protects the organs and it protects, you know, it has a lot to do with immunity. So keeping the, um, the skin moist and also the channels moist because a lot of people are, when you get older, you get tinnitus, uh, the ringing of the ears. So you wanna make sure during adulthood that you're lubricating the ears and the nose so to prevent some of those things happening when you are older. Um, but continuing to do Abhyanga and uh, that practice. And then it has to do with a lot about the attitude, letting go, 
and repairing the past. Um, so it's more of a like a in Ayurveda considered a contemplative meditative time. Um, in the olden days, people would just stop working and then kind of go into retreat um, and have a spiritual life as they age, as they get older, and it's like a time of a spiritual time of life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about even young children when you meet them and someone says they're an old soul. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering if that means they're showing signs of being vata. Oh, interesting. Um, I don't know. It it could be it it could be that they really are an old soul, and uh, there's like a maturity or like a wisdom to them that like how do they, you know? I bet you were an old people. Well, knowing knowing that I read the Encyclopedia of World Religions when I was a kid (laughs) and have always been interested in contemplation. Yeah. So I'm thinking about over from your past life, you know, I I mean, because I started TM when I was 13, like Mm -hmm. and I started studying like Vedic sciences and I couldn't stop. Yeah, a lot of HSPs that I work with have high vata. Um, So it's like a feeling of overwhelm and kind of being frazzled. And so, you know, having the, the calming practice of Ayur, tools of Ayurveda has, has been like, just like having warm food three times a day. Like, it seems like such a simple thing, but um, if you're Vata and you're eating irregularly, like cold salads and, and cold drinks, then it just, it makes you feel electrocuted. Um, and also the Abhyanga massage has been su- super, um, calming for for vata. a lot of vatas are highly sensitive or they mm-hmm. have a lot of vata they may be a kapha person with a vata imbalance so you could be born with a lot of earth and water but that due to our culture and our cultures uh, society's habits you can get a vata imbalance so when you balance vata then you start to find your true nature which may be kapha you know mm-hmm so it's all about kind of returning back to your true nature and your true nature is, is what you're born with. And also, um, you know, being more self-referral rather than object referral. So our society focuses on gaining happiness and achieving more and more and being as productive as you can. But as you get more in balance, you derive that inner you become more self-referral, more self-reliant. So you, by feeling your own your own silence more and more, rather than being overstimulated and being overwhelmed by the environment. So all the tools of Ayurveda, they what what they do is they um, create the memory of yourself. And so all the tools, it's like a memory it it enlivens that memory of your essential nature which is already there but we're too overstimulated or um you know just object referring always to the to the outer world so Mm. all practices help you to be more of this self-referral inner sign you know gaining and feeling what that inner silence is more and more and so Mm -hmm. you keep that so no matter what chaos is around you, you can uh, be aware that you have this silent, safe awareness, consciousness there. And so every practice is to 
to enliven that inner silence. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And as you're describing that, I'm remembering what you said about the retreat that you experienced and that there's this remembrance of this is how I am. A, uh, this is how I'm supposed to feel. This is how my life can feel and coming back to it over and over. And when you find yourself out of balance, inviting yourself back to remembering, you know, your essential nature. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's so beautifully um, stated. That's, that's really what Ayurveda is about. Yeah. Coming back home to the, the mind body self. And, and as you culture those practices, then you get to have a memory of that every day, you know, or once a week and then, you know, more and more balance comes. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the why behind it, right? Like, I think sometimes people put off the things that they know will make them feel better for whatever reason, time constraints or lack of knowledge, or maybe not trusting being skeptical. <laughs> but once you harvest the benefits of it, my website is ayurvedahealthcoach.com. So I, I offer a free 15 minute kind of get to know you call to see if, if we want to work together. Um, and then I do an, an Ayurvedic, a one hour Ayurveda intake where we go over what you want to achieve for balance. And then I go over like lifestyle, diet, herbal recommendations. Um, I also have a school, it's called Ayurveda Amritanam School. And I have an 11 month Ayurveda health coach certificate training program um, that is mostly online these days. So um, if people want to dive deep into the knowledge of Ayurveda and want to incorporate it into their offerings of what are, whatever they do, or just use it for their own knowledge, um, that's also, um, I have a program, another program starting in uh, mid-September. So people can reach me for that too. I mean, I think there's a, a, different, a different way of working with yourself yeah, I think that's where like the, the counseling, coaching and psychotherapy can come in because it's like, you know, we all know on some level, we, we understand what benefits us and then we don't do it, <laughs> you know, for some reason. So, so that's when the coaching can come in. It's like, well, what, what, tell me, you know, explain to me like what's happening, like instead of, um, you know, sitting down and doing like a 10 minute asana, like you'll just run out and, and, and like put, uh, you know, go on the internet and get kind of like overwhelmed. Like, so like people just need support to kind of shift out of that. So they, they can have more of a stable practice, you know, it's very easy to ignore that part. So and, and there might be something they're avoiding that they don't want to feel. So that might come out. Um, it all takes time. It's all like, I'm not perfect at any of these by any means, but you know, we're all a work in process and we all have our challenges and bit by bit, you know, we were carving away and uh, creating new, uh, you know, a new mind body each day. So, mm. yeah. So wonderful. If people want to get in contact with you or learn about your upcoming offerings, how, how can they best do that? 